This is going to be our second Sunday of I Love My Church, and we're going to be focusing on this thing called community. And we're going to be reading and using this uh, scripture from Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. We'll get there in just a minute. But first, I want to talk about fences. I'm going to show a few different kind of fences. We can determine, you know, kind of which fences they are and the purpose they serve. How about this one? Isn't that the American dream? It just needs to be white. It's always the white picket fence surrounding your house and yard, separating you from your neighbor's property, keeping your kids in, all that kind of stuff. How about this? A lot of us grew, especially in the city, you know this one. A lot of chain link fence there. Again, separates. You know, you see that around a lot of schools in Kenosha and even around here. We have a big old chain link fence around the high school now. How about this? We see this kind of out in the county a little bit more. It's a wildlife fence. Keeps wildlife inside of uh, preserves and all that kind of stuff. There we go. You see this in kind of our fancy security fence. You see this around different kind of companies. And this is starting to get more serious about wanting to keep people out now. They start putting up stuff like this. Now we get even more serious with this kind of fence. This one's very difficult to climb. You can't get over it because you got spikes on the top and they're facing you. So it makes it a lot harder to get over. This is construction site and building a building that they're pretty concerned about their security. So making sure that nobody can get into there. Let's see. Let's take it a step up. How about that one? How easy do you think it would be to get over the top of that fence? The razor wire up there or concertina wire. Don't want to mess with that stuff. I had to put that stuff out in the military, and that's no, that's no joke. That will cut, literally start taking off limbs when you try that. Or you can go to the maximum security here and see that. How would you like to try to get over that? That's all razor wire there. That's a whole wall of razor wire right there. Yep, and between that fence, typically they have dogs, so. Not only will you get cut up, but then Fido's going to have you for lunch, so. They are, they are quite serious about uh, making sure that, that people cannot get in or out of that area. So we looked at some of these fences. Some of these fences were short, some of them were tall, some of them you could see through. The others were like this one, where it's almost like a fortress kind of mentality or at a prison or a military institute um, sometimes will have stuff like that where they have highly sensitive stuff on the inside and stuff they don't want people to get into. Uh, nuclear weapons uh, bunkers are usually surrounded with stuff like that or chemical weapons bunkers. Um, I remember that from my time in the military and dealing with chemical weapons they were surrounded by things like that. But this, they all have the same principle is that they are designed to keep something in or they are designed to keep something out. When I was growing up, my parents were the first to move into a new neighborhood in the west side of Kenosha. They called it West Town, which is kind of funny because now it's more or less in the middle of Kenosha, but then it was the furthest uh, suburb or I should say neighborhood on the west side of Kenosha. And essentially we moved into a muddy field. 
The roads weren't even paved yet. There were barely any city services there. They had just put all that stuff in. We didn't even have a lawn, we had mud. When we moved in, I remember the, uh, looking through some pictures that my mom had of them moving in. And they had two by fours going up from the street um, up to the house so we wouldn't have to walk in the mud to get into the house because we didn't even have sod laid there for the first six months. I remember that once they got all the sod way, uh, laid and got it all kind of more pretty, my dad had the idea of building a fence around our property. The front yard was fairly open, fairly open fence, kind of like, looked like this. That's what our front yard fence looked like. I remember learning how to ride a bike and I would use that to, to balance myself on a bike and then try to take a few steps, usually fall flat on my face, but get back up and hold onto that fence and, and try on the sidewalk again once they put that in to learn how to ride a bike. The backyard though, it was different. Backyard fence was more like this. And actually kind of looked more like this uh, piece of cardboard that was painted to look like a fence. Looked almost just like that in our backyard. And backyard was a lot different. Our backyard was designed to be more private. And fence like that served as a good barrier to keep little five-year-old Johnny in the backyard, keep our beagle Snoopy from wandering the neighborhood, keep some of the newer neighbors that were coming in from taking our stuff, our toys, our swing set, and everything else in the backyard. My dad even put some lawn chairs out and he made a brick uh, grill so we could eat out there. And a little bit of difference between the front yard and the backyard though. The front yard was always really maintained. My dad put bricks around and um, put flowers out there and there was really well manicured trees and everything else in the front yard. Backyard was pretty different though. Backyard again, strewn with my toys. It wasn't cut as often. He didn't worry about the manicure, making sure all the lines in the grass were lined up and, and perfect like the front yard was. The backyard was where we lived. The front yard was kind of the, the picture that we gave to the rest of the community. All of this all that stuff that we kept from behind the community, it was behind a fence. And it served to separate us from the outside world. And that's what a fence does. It's a, it serves as a separation between two spaces. This morning we're going to continue our series, I Love My Church. And this concept of fences is going to play a big part in what we'll see today as one of God's plans for the church. And one of the God's plans for the church is that we live connected lives within a community. He wants us to live connected with them, with, with him, and he wants us to live connected with each other. God wants us to know true community. And you say, well, what do fences have to do with that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. But first, we're going to read our central verse, and it's going to be found in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And Melanie, did you want to read that? All the time when I read, I always try and pray before I read, just so then everybody will just listen to the words and hear the words in your mind, heart, and soul. So, Father God, as I read, don't let it be Melanie Lewis reading it. Let the Holy Spirit guide me. Let the words come into our hearts and our minds and our souls, and let it be that we go out in the community and that we actually become the Jesus-like people, that we're just, we're just the people that other people want to be around. 
Father God, I just thank you for Pastor John Oscar who comes up with some ideas like this and um, through you, through your Holy Spirit. And Father God, thank you for the worship team, Tammy and Jennifer. I just, I'm so grateful to be part of this community. And Father God, as we read Hebrews 19, let us all hear the words and learn and learn and apply the words. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, this is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, and he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. In your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Good job. Amen. Thank you, Melanie. So as we begin to unpack this, let me go back to what we were talking about earlier with the fences, because this is going to be central to, to our understanding of what God is trying to say to us this morning through this scripture. I want us to picture our lives as a yard. You know, most of us live in a house or we live in an apartment and they have a yard in it. So let's picture our lives as a yard. And if a lot of us were honest, we will admit that, especially if you live in a city or you live close to other people, you like a good fence. What we are comfortable showing people, though, and letting people know about in our lives if we're imagining our lives again as a yard, is our front lawn. Most of us keep our front lawn much neater than the backyard. We keep it manicured. We have great grass. We spend a lot more time out there weeding and, and doing things to make it look good. We might even have a welcome mat out on our front door, even if we're not really meaning we, we, that people are welcome. We still have it out there just to kind of make ourselves look good. The front lawn yard of our lives is what we show everyone else but the backyard that's different the backyard is the real us the backyard is the place that we only allow certain people at certain times to come into and this is where most of us build a fence we build these fences because we're not sure we want other people to know what's going on with the real us. Maybe we don't want people to see parts of our lives that aren't as pristine. Maybe we don't want people to go back there and see the piles that our dog leaves behind. Maybe we don't want them to see the weeds or the mess back there. The backyard is considered to be private because the backyard is considered to be who we really are. This is the yard of our lives. But here's the deal about fences. God isn't a big fan of them in our spiritual lives. He's definitely not a big fan of them 
in the way that we relate to each other and the way that we relate to our neighbors. He doesn't have a problem with us having a literal fence around our literal house. And please don't leave here today thinking you have to go home and tear down your fence. Good luck finding it in the snow, but you don't have to tear it down later. What God's talking about is being in relationship with him and in community with each other. God wants us to rethink our fences and what we put out there in front of other people. And if we intend to love our church and the people here the way that God wants us to, we have to rethink three things and do three things. And the first thing to know is that Jesus has crashed the fence. Before we even talk about the fence that exists between us and people, we have to realize that the barrier that existed between God and us. The first part of our Hebrews passage tells us, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to come into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, what the author of Hebrews here is talking about is the fact that because of Jesus, we have a new way to come back to God. And to really understand this scripture, we have to remember who it is written to. It is a book to the Hebrews, and it is the epistle to take somebody with a Hebrew mindset, to take them from their Old Testament way of thinking and bring them over into the New Testament and show that Jesus is the sufficiency that they have been looking for through all that temple worship, through all that ceremony, through all that pageantry. Jesus was the answer for all of that. And we don't have to worry about it anymore. In fact, the entire Jewish faith was predicated on this idea of separation. They were separated from the entire planet as God's chosen people and descendants of Abraham. So their whole faith was, was, was placed into this mindset of separation. Their whole religion dealt with it. Even their culture dealt with it. They existed as separate families in separate tribes within their own nation. Every time they went to church, they saw separation. If you were not a full-blooded Jew, you could walk only this far into the temple, but no farther. That was called the court of the Gentiles. If you were a full-blooded Hebrew woman, you could go in a little bit further. But then another fence or another wall of separation would stop you. That was the court of the women. If you were a Hebrew male, you could go a little further, but if you were not ceremonially pure, you could only stop at this wall or this fence. That was the portico of the temple. If you were a Hebrew male, you were ceremonially pure. You could go a little further in, but if you are not a descendant of Levi, another wall stopped you. And that was the court of men. If you were a Hebrew male, if you were ceremonially pure, and a descendant of Levi, you could go further into the temple. But if you were not the right family, another gate stopped you. And that was the outer courts of the temple. 
And finally, if you are a Hebrew male, if you are ceremonially pure, a descendant of Levi, you belong to the right family, you could go the furthest into the temple, but then you were stopped by the final barrier. And that was the curtain that separated the holy place from the holiest of holies, where God's manifest presence dwelt over the Ark of the Covenant. To enter there was a death sentence delivered immediately by Almighty God, unless you met all the previous criteria and you were the high priest. And it was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And you brought in the correct sacrifice in the correct way. But when Jesus came, he destroyed all of that. Jesus took this fence, he picked it up, and he went like that to it. He destroyed the fence. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus cried out his last breath, that temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. It was like God picked it up and went, tore it right in half. When Jesus said it was finished, indeed, everything was finished. Because Jesus is our great high priest and has crashed the fence, the walls, the veil, the curtain that separated us from God, we are confident that we can draw near to him. Crashing the fence is as easy as admitting the fact that we need him. We need him. It's only through him. We can't live our life on our own. We can't make it into his presence without that fence, that veil, that barrier of sin separating us. And in the Bible, the book of Romans gives us more of the details behind what they're speaking about in the Hebrews passage. It's called the Romans Road. I'll just go through it very quickly so you can learn how to talk to people about um, coming to Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means that we have created a giant fence that separates us from God. Romans 6.23 that says, For the wages or penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And because of that fence, we can never get to God on our own. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God knew we have a big fence before we even had a yard. He made a way of salvation before he even said, let there be light. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is believing in his heart that a man becomes right with God, and with his mouth he tells others of his faith, confirming his salvation. We have to go to God and admit, God, I have a fence and it needs to be torn down. And Jesus crashes that fence for us. Finally, Romans 10, 13. Anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You never get a busy signal when you call Jesus. He never turns down a fence-crashing job ever. 
You and I were born building fences. We're born building walls, structures designed to hide, protect, and confine who we really are. We don't want people to see what is on the inside of us. And I would ask you, have you ever drawn near to God? Have you ever acknowledged what Jesus has done on the cross if you allowed him in your life? That means the entire lawn, the front and the back. Jesus loves you and he wants you to come to him today. Realize that there is a barrier between you and him right now. But the good gospel news is Jesus crashes through fences. You just need to surrender your life to him and draw near to him in relationship and be close to him in community. The second way that God wants us to love our church and community is to allow others in your yard. We come into this building, we sing songs, we listen to Bible teaching. We give offerings, we share meals like we will be today. We smile, we get, say good morning, we shake hands. But many of us still do this from behind a fence. And you may be thinking, I thought you said Jesus just broke down the fence. Well, he has. He has broken down the fence and make it, made it possible for us to get to God. But as a people and people meaning plural, us as a community, do we do that with each other? Even though Jesus has crashed our fence, we still only want people to see the pretty parts of our yard, don't we? We put on this, this face and, and this fence when we say good morning to everyone. So we keep building these walls. You know, it's interesting, I was, when I was making this sermon, I was thinking that the first thing the Pharisees did in the temple when God ripped that veil was they had every seamstress in Israel there trying to tear, put it back up. And that is us very often in the church, is that as soon as Christ tears down our walls, we want to put it right back up. And a lot of times we put this wall back up as a way of protecting ourselves because we don't want everybody to see what is really in here. So we put the wall back up. And our entire Christian lives is a series of Jesus doing this and us doing this. And Jesus doing this and us doing this. Isn't it? We go through these phases of wall building. But Jesus wants it down. He wants it down once and for all. That's why he tells us, do not forsake the assembling of each other together. It's not just a passage that us preachers use for years to guilt our congregants into coming to church every Sunday. It's a reality that the author of Hebrews was talking about that is something bigger. Sunday, yes, but it's something more than Sunday. He's talking about sharing a life together. He's talking about living in a community. Community means that we don't build fences. Community means that we give each other permission to enter all parts of our personal space. And community means we be authentic with each other. That means we share ourselves with each other. It's a deeper relationship than we can have just sitting in the chair on Sunday. Community means standing in someone's yard and allowing them to stand in mine. 
It means allowing people to see those things we'd rather hide. It means allowing people to see that, yeah, my office is a cluttered mess sometimes. There are weeds in the backyard. There's toys scattered. You might have to watch your step because Candy uses it as a latrine sometimes. There are things within my life and within your life that we try to hide, but sometimes we just have to be honest with each other and admit that those things are there. Anybody remember this guy? You ever watch Home Improvement? The guy behind the fence, what was his name? Wilson. Wilson. Yep. For nearly the entire series, that's about all you saw. Even if they went to his house, even if they, they bent together in a driveway or something, part of his face somehow always got covered. The Taylors lived next door to the Wilson for years, yet they never truly saw his entire face. And sometimes it's like that for us church folks. We sit in pews with people. We may even enjoy a Bible study with one another. But for some reason, we never allow each other to see who we really are. We only get a glimpse from them from behind their face or behind their fences. You know, I can't embrace a person here who's having a family tragedy if I can't really see what's going on in their life. Fences impede our community. We really have to get into the yard of somebody to really know them. That's why Hebrews says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as some are in the habit of doing, but to encourage one another, all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you were to look around the room here, I have a question. Who's let you into their yard? And who have you allowed into your yard? And it's a challenging question, I know, especially for those of us like me who are really introverted. But our personality type doesn't change this truth of what God wants for us in our life. If we're going... If we truly are going to experience not only the church, but also the life that God has intended, then we can't live behind these fences. To truly love your church means you have to truly love the people in your church. It doesn't mean you have to become a super social extrovert. It just means that you choose not to live in isolation. Community is standing in someone's yard, and it means that you stand in somebody else's yard. And you, number three, enjoy the company. And that's the third way to love your church and community. Imagine being a kid, you go to a birthday party where the host didn't plan anything. There might be a big uh, bag of plain potato chips on the, on the table and a weak Kool-Aid, but that's it. No games. No desserts, no face painting, no pin the tail on the donkey, no nothing, just nothing. They just, the kids are just showing up, they're running wild. Everybody would think, well, that wasn't a very organized party. It was really dull. And you would think they didn't even try to do it right. Hebrews says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And to consider means to contemplate, to strategize. Think about it as planning for a successful birthday party. It means living in each other's yards. 
without fences. And it's going to take not only intentionality, but it's going to take strategy. Community is finding ways to encourage one another to love and good deeds. Beyond the church programs, beyond the, the Bible studies, beyond the sermons. It's getting behind the walls and fences that have been built up and maybe even offering to help. Maybe it's bringing a meal in a time of crisis. Maybe it's being willing to be that go-to number in people's cell phones when they break down outside of town and they need a ride or they need some help. Maybe it's just inviting people over for dinner and fellowship. Maybe it's teaming up when we have a church project and working alongside friends. It's enjoying one another. It's helping one another. It's living life together. These things don't happen automatically. They happen when we consider and strategize how to make them happen. Let me close with just some suggestions and some points of strategy for us as a church family. Sometimes people have unreasonable expectations, so I would ask us to have healthy expectation. An unhealthy expectation is that we'll know everybody, we'll be super close to everybody, that every single person here will be best friends with everyone here. But even in a small church, that's not realistic. A healthy expectation is that I can build a great connection through a family. Great connections through a sum and deep relationships with a few. That's going to take time, but we need to have that as a healthy goal in mind. The second thing is that realize baby steps are okay. Let's be clear. Living without fences doesn't mean you're going to tell every single person in this room the more personal parts of your life. That's not, that's not the goal in any sense. Don't think you're going to have to start telling everybody your deepest, darkest secrets whenever they ask. That's not wise and can actually lead to harm. We have to be wise with that. At first, it's just going to be hanging out with people. Then maybe they'll invite it into your house. Maybe you invite it into your life, your kids' lives, whatever that looks like. It's just a slow process. You won't let anyone, everyone in, but you need to let some people into your life. Number three, take some ownership. Realize that it is everyone's job, not everyone else's job. We all need to work at it, myself included. If you're sitting down waiting for somebody to come to you, then you're sitting in the wrong spot. Be the change that you want to see in other people. The Bible says be doers of the word and not just hearers. Amen? So as I close... And I am closing. I know the food's getting, the smell is starting to get to everybody here. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, how much effort, did I say 10? 10 and both. Oh, sorry. With 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, how much effort are you putting in with connecting with others? Are you a 1? A 10, a 5, whatever number that the Holy Spirit's revealing to you right now, I ask you this, what would it take to raise your number by one or two levels in the next few weeks? Let the Holy Spirit reveal that to you. And as we prepare for our fellowship this morning, I just encourage you to love your church and community, to know that Jesus has crashed the fence to allow other people into your yard, 
to enjoy the company. And start considering how you can be connected with others for encouragement and personal growth. Because it might start today. Look around and ask yourself, who do I get to know? Maybe you'll sit next to somebody at the fellowship you've never sat next to. Get to know them. There's some pretty cool people that go to this church. And they're great people to get to know.